Okay. Ready? <laughs> I think we're good. Okay. So no intro. We're just going to go right into... And welcome back, everybody. So we didn't know this when we started recording, but this episode is going to be two parts. Yeah. Welcome to part two. Welcome to part two. It is uh, such an incredible story. If you haven't listened, you you probably should go back and listen to part one or else you might be a little lost. You will be lost. You'll be like, why would they start with part two? We, <laughs> we didn't. We actually started with part one. You just didn't listen to it. Yeah. It's uh, an incredible episode. Josh's story just continues to amaze and... In this part, we get more into what he's doing now. Mm-hmm. We get into some some personal losses that he's gone through in the in the last couple of years, uh, which he was willing to open up about and, and has not done so in the past. And and yeah, it's just full of incredible takeaways. And and um, so grateful for this conversation, especially given the context. Now there was thing we there was one thing we did know, and we knew that this was going to be our final guest. Exactly. Now we didn't bring it up in the intro and we didn't even tell Josh because we didn't want to take away from his amazing story. Um, but because this is the final guest interview we will ever do. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe not ever. Well, well for now. We'll leave it open never to say, possibilities. Never say never. Um, our, our futures are beautiful mysteries. They are. But uh, this is this is the final uh, interview for now. And so uh, we just wanted to say that. And so enjoy. And and. You might have even picked up on in the first uh, episode because because we I feel like if you listen back, there was times where we almost showed our hand a little bit. You know, I talked about how this this was like the climax of everything we've talked talked about up until this point, And it really was. Um, and, and Andrew talked about how the obstacle course never ends, mm-hmm. um, which it doesn't. You yeah. Know? Um, the show itself. <laughs> everything. <laughs> everything does end. But sadly, spoiler alert. I'm stealing all your phrases here. You are. Um, the obstacles will never end. No. Even no. past, uh, you know, we may end. Our <laughs> lives may end. But then people will have to, like, figure out our burials. And, yeah, you know, exactly. then that'll just create more obstacles for our kin. What a wonderful sign-off. <laughs> <laughs> talking about our eventual death. <laughs> but anyways, folks, uh, you know, this is about Josh. Um, and if you're wondering, like, why this is our last episode and stuff, we're actually recording a new episode um, a final episode talking about uh, why we're stepping away and what this journey has meant to us. So you can look forward to that. Absolutely. But for now, look forward to part two of Mr. Josh Duick and his amazing life. Thank you, folks. You know, in one of your videos on your website, Josh, um, you said in it, that uh, a couple of weeks before your accident, um, you saw somebody in a wheelchair and here you are, you know, at the height of your career, you saw someone in a wheelchair and you said to yourself, um, if that happened to me, I'd rather be dead. I wonder how that, how that sits with you now, um, six, you know, 15 years later or 17 years later, um, that phrase, I mean, such, such a real human phrase. Um, especially this, this was who you were. This was your identity. Um, and, and thinking about that being taken away. I mean, any of us, if our identity was taken away, we, we, that, that would equal death to us, but, but death did not come obviously. In in fact, um, it it almost seems like, um, a life that beyond your dreams. And, and I wonder, 
I wonder if there was a kind of death that, that occurred in you that um, was actually um, essential to, to you getting to where you are today. And, and I also wonder how that phrase sits with you right now. Well, it's opened up my perspective. Uh, it's pretty funny because like what an ignorant kid I was. I yeah. definitely had a pretty narrow focus on the world. And I remember seeing that young man in the beer store and we were both doing the same thing at the end of the week, buying a box of beer and, you know, going to put up our feet and relax or whatever it was. And uh, I couldn't dignify his existence by making eye contact. I noticed him and I skirted my eyes and I looked away. And I didn't want to stare at him because I didn't want to be staring at a disabled person. Um, but I kind of wanted to make eye contact because it's another person, but I just was so uncomfortable in myself that I couldn't recognize him. Mm. And uh, that, that was, it's humbling to look back on and, and also see how far I've come. But it's also a very poignant reminder. Um, I was downtown Eastside Vancouver with my daughter a couple years back. And there was a person under great distress, um, very, very all over the place, likely coming down from an, uh, an ugly high and uh, twerking and, and all that. And so rather than skirting or averting my daughter's eyes from the situation, we just gave a moment and had a breath and recognized and made eye contact to that person and just dignified that moment in existence. And Nova's like, what was going on? And I'm like, I don't know, but I know at some point that was just a child, hmm. somebody that is loved, was loved, and has maybe lost their way in this moment. And uh, it just helped me to recognize we're all going through different places and to, to not be so quick to judge hmm. um, the experience that they're having. If it's different and, and, and now more than ever, that seems quite relevant um, in the world around us, there seems to be a lot of intolerance, judgment, um, and a bunch of other adjectives that explain what we're seeing in the world around us, which is really unfortunate. And I think that the key thing that we're hearing is that we just need to listen. Mm -hmm. And that could just be eye contact. That could be a hug. Although COVID's really jamming a freaking wrench in that one, right? Yeah. Uh, and we'll get back. I know we'll get back to that place where we can recognize and see, and hopefully actually the, uh, the pendulum swing from this time of distancing that we're all experiencing. Um, the pendulum effect is that we'll see and be and support and hold one another in different ways as we grow forward. Yeah, absolutely. There's so much beauty in, in the, the messages that you've just put out there, Josh. I just want to say thank you for that and commend you for, for that, um, that acceptance that you're, you're putting out into the world. And, and surely it, it is having a, a powerful impact on, on many around you, including those who are listening right now and, and, and John and I as well, I'm sure. Um, one, one thing that came to mind when, when you were talking about um, both COVID as well as the, the changing perception that you've had before the accident, since the accident, but um, the tattoo freedom um, that you have on you um, and, and that Ellen asked about as well and, and gave you the, the sweater with, with the, yeah. the matching uh, image on it. Um, I, I'm curious how that word has changed and your perception of that word has changed over time and, and what it means now, especially considering uh, our, our relative lack of freedoms that, that we have in our, um, mm -hmm. in our world today. 
Hmm. Well, I don't think about it very often, but yeah, it's, uh, it's been on there for about 20 plus years. Uh, it was inspired by nothing other than hoping chicks would dig it and think <laughs> I was a badass. Uh, it didn't work very well. All my buddies <laughs> made fun of me. like, yo, freedom. <laughs> you're going to not like that in a few years. I was like, oh, you're probably right. I literally woke up and went and got a tattoo in a moment's notice. But how does it feel for me today? And you're right. It's evolved quite a bit over time. Uh, you know, I, I've heard uh, it said before, and it's certainly a philosophy that you hear in yoga, is that discipline is freedom. Mm-hmm. And uh, to maintain some form of discipline and self-control uh, and self-restraint uh, from our vices and temptations does create freedom. Absolutely. Um, distance makes the heart grow fonder is a, a close draw from that statement, right? although it's not exacting um, discipline creates freedom in, in many ways. And right now in the absence of a lot of these social interactions and in-person connections, a lot of my work and a lot of my freedom comes from internal work. And uh, that, that is through yoga and meditation and making my best effort to liberate myself from some of my past traumas or neuroses that live deep within my bones and uh, freedom for me really is uh, my family for sure and that's a motivator my wife my daughter my son um, provide me motivation and appreciation to why that is important the the paradox of discipline is freedom and i often find freedom on the yoga mat when i'm able to again get out of my mind and get out of my body um, and that that happens occasionally. It's not exactly like I'm enlightened and I hit that target every day. Like I'm usually so full of my own shit that I barely get through a couple practices or postures um, without letting my mind drift and uh, the stresses of life get in the way. But in those brief moments of levity, um, when you can kind of merge those systems through your breath and then everything is just lined or aligned, I should say Mm -hmm. it's, uh, pretty beautiful and i would say it's more of a communion and a connection to something that's far greater than just ourselves and so freedom for me is creating that space uh to just be Mm. yeah like you were in the air upside down say one more in the air upside down yeah like like when you were in the air upside down oh yeah that's yeah 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 yeah. that's the space yeah that's... Yeah, absolutely. That was meditation in motion. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. For sure. You've brought up your your parents a couple times, Josh, and I, I thought it was um, it's important that we um, we go here for for a period in this conversation. Um, their obvious importance and mag- magnitude of the impact that they had on, on your life, um, and and you lost them both in 2019, and and I am. Um, I want to start by saying it. we're we're sorry for your loss and and um mm-hmm. and I'm sure that that was a an incredibly challenging time and 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 one that you know the challenge probably isn't over as as John and I both know from having lost a parent um we just kind of it doesn't go away we just feel like we we are able to deal with it better as as time goes on um but having having lost your your parents 
in in fairly short succession um i'm wondering how now um you feel is the best way to honor their legacy and and the impact that that they have had in the world and and continue to have uh yeah well lots going on there and you're right grief is a process and it is not done uh i just had a birthday a few days ago and my wife went through a great effort to make me feel special and and celebrated honored and appreciated and uh, she did uh, you know probably the best that we can do right now and, and got many of my friends um from all sorts of different parts of my life do video greetings and then she stitched together in a beautiful edit for me mm. and uh, my aunt had a few words for me that resonated deeply about um the importance and uh, and where my mom and dad were when I was born. And of course, on a birthday, the most important person in your life, or at least from my understanding and, and my perspective is your mother. <laughs> that's your, that's who's birthing you. That's the day that's, that's the celebration is that moment of connection and life beginning. Um, so of course, uh, I, I certainly it was caught off guard with the depth of grief that I felt in those those moments on my birthday, and it was great to be able to talk about it and work through it. Um, and and really that that I think is we need to we need to be comfortable in our own skin to talk about it. We yeah. need to um, remind ourselves and remind those around us of of the strengths and virtues of of those that have come before and that are no longer with us. And I'm going to flash back, back to Bushy and and those moments when he had lost Sarah. And I think it still rings true today, a, a decade later. He always, uh, or whenever um, the time is, is presented, will, will elevate Sarah by sharing the stories of her and, and never letting those go. Um, and so I've learned so much about Sarah through Rory since she's passed. And a lot of her strengths and virtues and some of the challenges that she's had to overcome so though she might not be here in body she is in spirit and that's pretty powerful that's pretty incredible the same goes for my parents i often think about the things that they believed in most and do my best to honor that and if you uh check my i'm back on instagram because i got a new job that uh is uh strongly encouraging me to get back on the social platform <laughs> to engage some of the people that I'm working with and uh, I just so value this new position that I'm, I'm more than happy to take that leap back into the social uh, sphere. Is that the Albeit, Chef de Michon? Uh, yeah, Chef de Michon, yeah, yeah. So the team captain for the Canadian Paralympic team going to Beijing 2022. And uh, so for multiple reasons, they thought it would be beneficial for the whole program for me to be engaged. So uh, a classic example of me getting out of my own way and my own thoughts on social media to serve a higher cause, which is uh, the athletes um, going to Beijing. And that's just one of the tools that we need to use in order to engage and promote the, the hard work that these athletes, coaches, teams are putting forth. Uh, you'll check my uh, social feed. And for my birthday, I had been planning for nearly five years to go to Japan and ski pow with a bunch of my best buddies. And obviously in the, the world we're living in today with the, the travel restrictions, that's not a possibility. So I wanted to honor my dad. Uh, both my parents, but my dad was really, he loved to give wherever. And my mom supported that with all of her heart. 
Um, and, and I felt like what a, what a, a great way to challenge myself right out of my comfort zone to do something that wasn't about me, uh, but at the same time, perhaps might help me to grow in my own pathway. And so our family motto um, and, and the family being Lacey, Nova and Hudson, our, our two kids, is listen, be kind and have fun. And that motto was derived uh, on a BC Ferries ride. There was another parent with a kid in the playroom and Nova was about two at the time. And, uh, you know, dealing with two-year-olds on a ferry boat can be super exciting <laughs> oh, and very sure. overwhelming. And <laughs> and uh, he had mentioned that to his, his kid and like, listen, be kind and have fun. I'm like, hey, wait, stop. Say that one more time. Mm-hmm. I'm like, do you mind if we adopt that as our family motto? And he's mm-hmm. like, please do. It wasn't mine to hold. Mm-hmm. It's just something that we learned in our travels. So again, it just kind of got passed down the chain. And so the challenge I put out for my 40th birthday is to listen, be kind and have fun and, and focus on one of these gestures each day and then highlight that on my uh, social feed. So I'm pretty early in the challenge. We'll see how she goes. I know it's uh, it's not going to be easy and uh but that's, that's the beauty of it, I reckon, is that, um, you know, we put ourselves in places of discomfort so that we can challenge and expand ourselves. And I often reference one of the greatest Canadians, or in my opinion, the greatest Canadian of all time, which is Terry Fox. Mm-hmm. And he's got a great book that's uh, geared towards children, and it speaks to the value of facing a challenge. And um, yeah, so I'm, I'm keen to take on this challenge. I'm keen to get outside of my comfort zone. And to, to live this creed that we focus on every day with our family. And that's to listen, be kind, and why not have a little bit of fun? Well, and, and imagine so if that's that, how I'm honoring my folks right now. Well, and beautiful. Thank, thank you for sharing that, Josh. And, and that imagine if, if we applied that to just as a prerequisite before you got on social media. <laughs> listen, be kind, and have fun. Imagine how many conversations would be changed and perhaps even our nation's um, um, would be changed through that. You brought up some powerful points about grief um, and, and you, you talked about it being a process. And I just think it's, it's another reminder of, you know, I look at grief now as, as almost like soul exercise. You know, it just, you, you don't ever arrive with exercise. It's just something you, you do now every day. And, and the work continues every day. And I think sometimes we feel like we have to get to a point where, okay, I'm finished with grief. Um, but, but we don't ever have to get to that point. We can just get to a point where a relationship changes a bit with that. And I just think that that might be good for people to hear who are grieving right now, a loss of a job or a loss of a, a parent or a child or, or, or a spouse that, uh, that, uh, you don't have to finish it or get an A in it. Um, you can just continue to do the work every day. Yeah. There's many stages of grief as I'm learning and it bores its ugly head. Yeah whenever she wants and my wife uh, is learning that right you know it's and we, we both are but like it really catches us both off guard you know she had so much positive intentions for my birthday and uh, I got lost in that grief mm-hmm. and uh, it, it was good to be able to talk about it she was there to listen which was a beautiful thing chalk that one up Lacey's day one accomplishment listen nailed that one <laughs> and we were able to talk through it because otherwise it, it was a, a massive surge of emotion confusion fear uncertainty loss uh and uh, it would be easy to run from that or distract yourself from that mm-hmm. and uh, not really fully appreciate the depth of the lessons that were meant to present themselves in that moment and over time. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, birthdays 
are uh, have a keen ability to make us realize our own mortality, which is um, <laughs> not not always the the most fun uh, celebration, especially when there's a four in front. <laughs> yeah, is that right? <laughs> yeah. <I'll>, yeah. <laughs> I'll let you know. Yeah, I, yeah, I feel good. I'm excited. Uh, it's hard not to think, you know, 40 sounds super old, but I've never felt better. Exactly. In all yeah. aspects of my capacity and, and my being, I feel more alert. I feel more awake. I feel more love. Mm-hmm. I feel, I feel. Mm-hmm. That's not something that I've been able to say most of my life is I feel, mm-hmm. I feel sad. I feel happy. I feel content. I feel angry. I feel alone. I feel supported. And I'll go back to the top. I feel loved. Hmm. And that was, you know, I just, I want to circle back a little bit. My parents love me uh, more than, you know, like, like any parent loves a child. Like I was certainly loved, but I never really allowed myself to feel that for, for whatever fucked up reason in most of my life. And I would root that a lot into insecurities and, and other things. But when my accident happened, when I broke my back, I felt loved. I felt loved by my friends in the ski community. I felt an, an insane amount of love from my parents and I felt loved from Lacey. And at that point in time, she was a girl I was interested in and courting <laughs> but we hadn't any formal relationship and she actually stopped, dropped, gave up her job and moved to Vancouver to be by my side in the hospital and just support a friend in need. And so she was able to feel the surges of love from the ski community. She was able to feel the love from my family. She was able to feel love in herself and, and really be like a pure conduit of that through and to me. And uh, that that was like an earth shattering moment for me. And of course, like through life, we, we become traumatized and I've lost that capacity. It wasn't like an aha, I've liberated and I'm enlightened and now I'm love. It was like I, I've struggled with many things over many years and that ability to feel love and feel a wide range of emotions has fluctuated. Um, but right now I'm 40 and I can feel, and that's pretty fucking awesome. Mm. Yeah. That should be a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 40, and I can feel. <laughs> you got to have it. the fucking awesome on yeah, there somewhere, exactly, too. Yeah, exactly, on the back. Um, you're doing a great job of kind of bringing all these um, lessons and, and insights out of your story, and, and I, I just want to appreciate that a little bit as, as uh, one of the hosts. It's making our job easier. Um, we don't even have to like go in to, to flush them out. You, you tell the story, and then you flush them out yourself, but um, sure. you've also done a good job of kind of bringing, bringing this to a bit of a nice conclusion uh, as we are kind of like getting to our time here. But um, one more question that I had um, – and it, it's about some of that transformation that, that you're speaking of. And and um, you went through a, a huge personal transformation, that a, one that I can't even really um, obviously wrap my mind around because it's, uh, it's a, an experience that I have not felt in, in terms of um, when you were paralyzed. And, and then you've gone through an, another transformation after retirement from sport. Um, and this is maybe, um, it's very different and it's one that's, very personal and and emotional as well and i was wondering if if when looking back at at that first transformation if there's any lessons that you pulled that um you're now applying to this this second 
major transformation in, in your life. Um, any lessons or, or any anything that you learned from the first one that you'd rather not repeat in, in the one that you're, um, you're into now? Well, that's a great question. Um, and there was a degree of surrender when I broke my back, like, okay, well, there's nothing I can do about this. No matter what I do or how I feel, I'm not going to change the outcome of a severed spinal cord. I am going to be a paraplegic. And so how I move forward is now a choice. It was clear. And again, the message of hope the doctor provided me was brilliant. He provided me hope um, in so many ways. Now, uh, the, the other transition is, is potentially more relatable for a lot of people because we all go through them. It was a career transition and it was a while ago, but it's been sticky as F. And uh, in 2014, I electively and consciously chose to retire from being a competitive athlete and by far more challenging than breaking my back. Mm. Far, far more difficult of a transition. I, I didn't have that same wisdom. And I, I wish that you asked me this question six years ago when I was going through it. I knew it was going to be tough because I knew it was going to be a shedding of my identity. And the ego is not going to want to let go of that because first person in the world to do a backflip. Gold medal winner for Team Canada. Uh, arguably the most celebrated sit skier of my time. I'm not going to say best. I know my sport well enough to know there was other athletes better than me but I did have a light shone quite brightly on my story and I had many major successes. So I was on top of the world and I let go of that part of my life intentionally knowing that I wasn't able to balance the two becoming a new father. Nova was only six months at the time. And I saw how hard it was to maintain a relationship. And quite frankly, and this is not cool, Lacey was number two. My dedication to sport was number one. And I think a lot of athletes probably would have a similar sentiment. And to some degree, you do need to prioritize because it's intense, the training schedule, the commitment, and the risk that we're taking every day. I go back to the top. It wasn't cool, but it was what I knew. And uh, Lacey knew that as well. And even though it wasn't easy on us, that was a commitment that we had made. And we weren't necessarily conscious of it at the time. You know, some of that wisdom is derived over time. Like, holy shit. If I was only half as invested into you, I wonder where our relationship would be. Yeah. Hindsight, whatever, that, like it doesn't matter. It just, it is something that we can look back upon. I didn't want to try and balance the two. I knew that I was going to miss out on being a father or uh, not really be able to give my best to the team and, and uh, to the sport. So I pulled out intentionally and consciously and knew it was going to be a brutal uprooting of my identity. We sold everything, actually. Uh, bought a travel trailer, and we intended to live nomadically for a period of time, very simply, with only basically the clothes on our back or the, the gear in the back of our truck. And uh, travel North America on a bit of a tour of gratitude, connecting with people, uh, friends and family that uh, were impactful in my story, that maybe didn't have a chance to come in and uh, see us or be a part of the games or the excitement. I wanted to show Nova the world. I wanted to travel. I wanted to like live in the dirt and uh, <laughs> learn to surf and do things that were new and challenging. And 
it sucked. Like it was, it was a dream concept, uh, but it sucked in actually early on. Um, that's when dad was diagnosed with the terminal cancer and uh, given less than a year to live. So that definitely rocked my world and uh, it was very confusing because I didn't know how to deal with death. Hmm. Um, dad was uh, the first person I knew that was going to die. And his name was Peter and Peter means the rock. And he was for sure the rock in our family. And like, you can't take the rock out of the family. Like, cause what are you going to do? Um, the old bugger lived four years. They gave him six months and he just, he was loyal to my mom and my mom had a lot of autoimmune challenges and uh, lived with her own disabilities for my entire life. And so he needed to be there to protect mom and to take care of mom. And so he wasn't going to die until she had passed. And uh, it, it didn't work out that way. Dad had to, you know, he went six months before mom and mom, I think, went of a broken heart. And uh, that, that's, that is what it is. But um, it was a very confusing time. And so I wish I had more wisdom back in the day. I wish somebody had asked me the question, like, what can you draw from that experience in 2004 to reapply into this, you know, super challenging transition that you're going to move into? Um, and, and to a degree, there's gotta be some surrender. There's gotta be acceptance. Um, it was black and white when I broke my back, there was no going back the number of times. I'm just like a junkie and I'm, ah, I'm going to get back into ski race. My, my life sucks. Like I'm not happy right now, but if I get back into the, the gate, mm-hmm. like who knows, I'm probably like that old guy coming out of retirement that get my ass kicked by all the young kids. <laughs> but I felt like for years that I could just throw the toolkit back on and go out there and dominate. That's my ego coming up being like, I'm still here, motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) And if you need some comfort and a companion, I got you. (laughs) And uh, I still love to ski. Like you wouldn't believe. I went out yesterday and I just had such a fun time. Like so much fun. Um, But it is, it's it's strictly intrinsic. It's not for cameras. It's not for medals. It's not for any accolades. I just go out there to have a good time. I'm still thankful that I can. Uh, But it was a long, painful, sticky process of separation between that part of my identity and who I was to uh, literally just uh, becoming who I am. And uh, that is a process. I'm not through it. Six years later, I'm still working on it, but I'm going to take the advice that you've um, prodded in this conversation. And even though I had a choice to retire, I still need to take some of those similar uh, values and lessons like that. That's, that was a great part of my life and that's behind me and that's okay. Like I, I made a choice uh, to move forward and uh, now I just embrace the new path. Cause there was no looking back after I broke my back and uh, for better and for worse, like there was no regret. There was no nothing. I was just like, okay, done check. But that's also like coping and some denial and also just like not knowing how to deal with it. Mm-hmm. I'm sure I have to unpackage that over time as well like and i'm sure that those lessons will present themselves later on like by no means if i totally at peace um i for sure get being a parent with a disability fuck so hard so hard there's things i can't do my kids like there's part of me that gives them like a little bit of like how creative like for example 
uh, little dude's four right now and and he wants to go and grab some candies out of the the drawer he'll just quickly grab my wheelchair throw it across the room when i'm sitting on a couch or something like that and then go run and grab the candy what are you gonna do i drag myself across the floor to go get my wheelchair and i'm raging at this point like there's this bitter old man in me that's like what are you doing? I'm like, that's completely unacceptable. And then he'll just go down like three sets of like three stairs and just be like, what are you going to do now? Dude? Oh <laughs> my gosh. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah, such um, a real so, story. Wow. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I got to uh, sport was medicine for a very long time and uh, provided me so many great opportunities to express myself and expand myself and see, uh, like I said, like the merging of all of my systems, right. Where I can actually get out of my body and, let the Sitsuki dissipate and now I become spirit and mountain. I've had those beautiful moments that I can look back on and lean into, but then there's also times where I'm very dense and stuck in this fucking broken body. And my kids literally, they're, they're not intentionally mocking me to feel bad, but they are very smart mm-hmm. and certainly know how to get what they want when they want. And I feel very limited or they're playing on the beach. There's an easier example for a lot of people to process and, Man, Nova, she was about three and we were in Hawaii on a surf trip and a wave almost got her and I was the first person to see it and I couldn't do anything. Hmm. I almost watched the ocean take my child. I could scream like a banshee and people jumped and it wasn't a big deal at the end of the day, but man, oh man, did I ever feel small Hmm. and useless and that evoked deep pangs of depression where I thought if I killed myself, it would be better for my kids because my partner could find somebody that could take care of our children in a way that I felt that they needed. They needed, like, again, I've had all these rich and rewarding life experiences and altered uh, perceptions on reality. And I've, I've, I've had some moments, but it's also the gravity of living with disability can be very hard. So I'm not through that trauma. I'm not through the grief of my parents and it's a process if I can um, continue to work through all of this through my lifetime and and continue to um, learn and grow from these obstacles, then a life well lived. Uh, And, and if I can leave some of that with my kids that, that uh, again, you, you nailed it earlier on, like everything happens for a reason. Um, And uh, life has prepared me for these moments and I'm strong enough to deal with it. And, uh, and I think it'll be okay. It's not going to be easy, but it'll be okay. And uh, perhaps my kids won't have to go through some of all the, or maybe that, that's getting way far beyond. You know, we need to stay focused on the present moment and what we have here and now. And I know it's so cliche and so trendy. And, but at the same time, there's such a truth to that. I can't bury myself in the grief and the trauma of past. And I can't get too worried about the future, but I need to, back to freedom. What does that mean to me today? It means discipline. I need to be diligent. I wake up at five in the morning every day. I do yoga and meditation till seven. Then I support the kids as they get ready for school in the morning. And then I come to work until about four thirty or five. And then I hang out with the kids for a little bit. And then I have to, then it's work for me because I also have a very addictive personality, which is my superpower mm-hmm. and why I can apply myself so well to the tasks that are in front of me. But when you have an addictive nature and substance and getting high as a kite is like something that you enjoy doing and boozing it up, uh, that's a real problem. So I have to be a warrior every damn day to keep my head on my shoulders and uh, to show up. 
well, and, to be a little bit better. So it's, and uh, Josh, like, you know, your whole life, you've been a high achiever, a high performer. You've set audacious goals. And um, I say this tongue in cheek. Unfortunately, you, you, you know, you achieved all your goals. You, you achieved your dreams, you know, your world championships, Olympics, you know, first person in history. And, and it's undoubtedly human to um, go from that. Where can you go from there? And I can't imagine, you know, things like depression and, and things like that wouldn't, you know, be a logical follow up. And so to me, as we're, as we're, you know, nearing the end of the conversation, the, the, the final question I have is, what are those goals? What are those um, dreams you have now for, for part two of your life? Hmm. Well, for sure, I've uh, checked off a lot of those boxes in terms of an athlete. And in fact, I checked off a bunch of boxes that weren't even on my bucket list of what I wanted to achieve there. I feel so blessed and fortunate to be able to lean into that. Mm -hmm. And I use the analogy of uh, once you've been on top of a mountain and you've been able to see through the valleys, um, you can take that perspective down to the valleys. And when the clouds come in, uh, you can you can still know that uh, uh, life is full, even though you feel stuck. Mm -hmm. uh, what are my big audacious goals moving forward? Um, my wife and I are very passionate about bringing people together and providing empowerment camps, if you will. So people that are going through transition, uh, life altering injury, or perhaps an athlete going through transition. Cause I know those two quite well and very intimately. Um, and so an adventure camp could be, uh, you know, taking them out surfing, mountain biking, skiing, uh, and then the fusion of yoga and mindfulness, uh, perhaps bringing in facilitators to do art therapy or uh, deeper counsel, if you will. Um, so like from a work perspective, that's certainly a direction that uh, is a major draw for us. And uh, also just making sure that sport stays online, like my current work is involved with freestyle BC and making sure kids can access the sport in a safe and meaningful way. Um, that's why I took on the role to be chef de mission for the, the Canadian Paralympic team going to Beijing. Cause I believe sport is worth fighting for. And I don't know if fighting for is the right adjective, but right now when it's so hard to do anything, uh, it takes a great deal of effort to, uh, to see that, uh, stay online. Um, and, and personally like, Oh, I, I, my, I guess my audacious goal would be to practice yoga and mindfulness every day mm. and continue to work through some of these challenges and <clears throat> be less reactive to the things that happen around us. And again, I, Tua sounds like really funny. You said something about Tony Robbins, like it's, these, these are things that are meant to happen and just to be less reactive and be open to those, those things when they arise. Um, th those moments when my kid takes my wheelchair away or where I feel I'm bound mm -hmm. uh, to, to certain things that are out of my control and just to, to embrace that. Um, and to be living those virtues with and for my family so that they can see that that's a normal behavior and not just an unusual practice. Yeah, yeah, so good. It's awesome. Discipline is freedom. Thanks for asking what that means because I hadn't given it much thought, but I, uh, I, that's, that's not my, that's again, that's something derived from great teachers before me. And I'm so glad that you asked because that's a great reminder to me and hopefully it's a great reminder for our listeners. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And as you're saying with the, with the struggles that you're, you're still going through now and things still, you know, things are sticky and, and there's, 
there's days of grief and there's there's days of joy um and it sounds like you had both of those like in the last two days with with your 40th which just a couple days ago and then yesterday the the joy of uh, you could see it in your face lighting up about the joy in the mountain so that is our our lives is uh, one of our favorite expressions is that the obstacle course never ends um because we we just don't get through all of our obstacles you know it, it's not you don't just finish um until it's it's all over and then and then maybe you're better for the all the obstacles that that you did end up participating in um those are you know important parts meaning that's what brought meaning to our lives is is those obstacles and um that that is kind of the the one final thing i was going to ask as as we wrap here josh um when what advice would you give to people when um when looking at obstacles or challenges we there's a, a common perception in our in our communities and in in, um, in our world that we want to avoid things like obstacles or problems or or challenges. Um, but when when looking back at your life um, and and what you faced and and the hardships that you endured, um, what advice would you give to people out there who who are undoubtedly going to encounter adversity along their way? Uh, I, again, I'm going to lean into Terry Fox and the value in facing the challenge. Uh, I think that's so important that we look at those opportunities and embrace them as opportunities to learn and grow and evolve. Uh, there is also a great quote that came across my desk from one of my yoga teachers, Ryan Lear, and uh, he was quoting one of his teachers as well. And it was something along the lines of trauma is like the sandpaper uh, that slowly removes the the grits and the the other things from our filters, uh, so that we can see clearly once again. Because mm-hmm. uh, uh, trauma and all the neurosis and stuff like that uh, skew our perceptions on reality. Um, I I guess one of my goals is I want to see the world as a child does again, um, without all of the uh, the hurt and the pain that we accrue over time. Uh, when you look into the eyes of a child, especially a newborn it's pure. Mm -hmm. There is something divine about a little child. And even for the first few years, there's something so genuine and beautiful and sincere and kind. And for a person like me that has lived with a lot of insecurities, I can't look at myself in the mirror. I have no interest. I sometimes have difficulties making eye contact with other people. But when you look at a child, you, you see so clearly you feel so clearly and uh, the challenges in our life, perhaps that is the sandpaper that helps remove some of the grit so that we can once again, see things clearly. If we choose to embrace it, we can't take it as this happened to me. I'm a victim of, and some people are legitimately, they have some shitty stuff happen to them that would make my story pale in comparison. We don't even need to go down those rabbit holes or provide examples, but we know that the world can be very, very challenging and there's been many people that have overcome their challenges and they've gone on to change the world around them and that's a beautiful thing so embrace those challenges see that as an opportunity don't invite them like again <laughs> we can manifest things and intentions a powerful thing right like if you feel something in your heart like let's aim for it to be positive let's not try to draw this uh the muck into our life but if it happens be open mm-hmm. and uh, willing to receive Awesome. I love that. Josh, there's a, there's a quote by Nelson Mandela that I know has been, been um, close to your heart and, and you've carried on your journey. And I just think in so many ways, it sums up this conversation and it, and it's a uh, sport can create hope 
where once there was only despair. And I just think, um, you know, sport or, or change that word for something else, um, you know, there's such a possibility of hope even when there is despair. And, and that is that is your story. That is the heart of your story. Um, you felt the greatest amount of hope in the greatest amount of time of despair at the same moment almost. And, and it's just, it's just a reminder that no matter how, um, hopeless we feel, um, there's always hope and, and there's always a choice to move towards that. And, and that, that reminder has, has come across loud and clear in your story among many others. And, and I just, um, I just think that's such a beautiful reminder too, of what sport can do and, and what your, your involvement in sport has done. Um, for the, mm. for the hope of the, the community and now kids and, and so many things. Um, and so I'm, I'm going to complete that quote for you because you're absolutely right. It is beautiful. And, uh, from top to bottom sport has the power to change the world. It has the power to inspire. It has the power to unite people in a way that little else does. It speaks to the youth in a language that they understand. Sport can create hope where there was once only despair. It is more powerful than governments in breaking down racial barriers. It laughs in the face of all types of discrimination. Sport is the game of lovers. Mm, beautiful. Love it. Love yeah, that's a that's a wrap. If I had a mic, yep. I'd drop it right now, boys. Like This has been a treat for me to excavate a little bit of what was once and reminders of uh, the importance of being present in the now and also to provide hope for moving forward because man oh man it seems like there's very little hope in the world around like there's a lot of fear mm -hmm. and a lot of stress and a lot of uncertainty and back to sport something that an athlete does very well and is trained throughout their entire life to do is to focus on what they can and let go of what they cannot there are variables outside of our control that we we have no can like we can't affect and we have to let that go and man oh man there's a lot of things out of our control right now so why would we stress ourselves on them so now for me and uh, my family we're doing a lot of internal work that is within our control i am focusing on the the values of my parents i'm focusing on healing myself and all i need is a yoga mat and I don't even need that. I could just do it on the floor. Let's be honest. Like <laughs> you don't even need a fancy mat mm -hmm. and, and really uh, yoga in its simplest form, at least to my understanding, I don't know much. I'm a new student. It's just the connection of mind body through breath. Mm -hmm. And so that's something that we can control right now. And uh, very simply put, the first thing that we do when we're born is take a breath. Take a breath. That's the yeah. last thing that we do before we exit. Yeah, that's it. There's there gotta be something to our breath. Yeah. Ain't nobody going to take that away unless it's the define uh, and uh, on our way out. But that's that's something that we can control right now. So that's probably a great reminder to to say uh, thanks. Yeah. Thank you to the listeners and thank you for hosting me on this great show. Yeah, it was our pleasure. Absolutely, Josh. This was a, an absolute treat. And um, yeah, there's so much wisdom that that. Um, this conversation brought up and that, that you brought to the table and i'm i'm extremely grateful for for what we just had together yeah thanks so much josh this was awesome i'll be thinking about this for for weeks and months to come so appreciate you gents and uh thank you again and that's the episode 
Thanks for listening, everybody. If you'd like to continue the conversation, you can find us at all the usual places. Obstaclecoursepodcast.com. We're very active on social media, Instagram and Facebook at Obstacle Course Podcast. And speaking of Facebook, we have a great new growing community called the Obstacle Course Community that you can join, dialogue with Andrew and I and your fellow listeners about the previous week's episode and any obstacles you're dealing with. And we do appreciate reviews, whether it's on iTunes, Google, Facebook, whatever. It helps people find the podcast. And it has nothing to do with our fragile egos. Well, uh, you know, we just like to hear back from great people just like yourselves. Thanks for listening, everybody. Keep pushing through those obstacles.